0: You know, there's times that I wish that I could just push a button and repeat something I've already done before, but I don't have that privilege. <laughs> and so I come tonight uh, with a burden, and I come, I believe, with a word from the Lord. If you would stand in honor of that word, I want to direct you to the book of Nehemiah chapter 4. and. I really would like to read the whole chapter, but it's, way, it's too long for you to have to stand through all that. But I'm going to read a few verses beginning with verse number one. I may jump around so the sound guys may have uh, to catch up with me, but I'll try to pause and let you get it. But Nehemiah chapter four, and I want to begin with verse number one. This particular book has been a great source of help to me. Since the first uh, that I came to the Clear Lake area, one of the first messages or series of messages that I ever preached uh, in our church when we became pastor was a series on the book of Nehemiah. Something opened up to me in that book and something Uh, ignited in my heart, and over and over I find myself going back to that Word and going back to the principles that are in the Word. And so tonight we go again, and if you will, let me read, begin with verse number one, and it reads like this. But it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth, and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves and will they sacrifice and will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? What what a question but what a prophecy of what they were out to do. To revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish. And that's what many of us are involved in tonight. We're trying to build out of of rubbish. And I hate to use that terminology, but life gets so messed up sometimes that you don't have a... It's not like going down to Home Depot and walking down the aisle and picking out the choice pieces of two before and, and getting the right shingles and all of that. Sometimes you have to build with what you have. And it's not always pretty, but that was their purpose and that was what even their enemy recognized that that they were going to revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned. Now, Tobiah the Ammonite was by him, and he said, Even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. And so, with that being said, Nehemiah did what every good man or good woman of God will do He went to prayer and he said, Hear, O Lord, for we are despised and turn their reproach upon their own head and give them for a prey in the land of captivity and cover not their iniquity and let not their sin be blotted out from before thee, for they have provoked thee, notice Nehemiah understood what it was all about. It was not about him. It was not about Israel. It was about the Lord. For they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. Verse 6 said, So built we the wall. So built we the wall. Under these conditions we worked And all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. For the people had a mind to work. And I could go on and read more, but for the sake of time, I am going to stop there. We'll go down a few verses as we go along. But I want to talk to you for a few moments tonight about revival in the midst of conflict. Revival in the midst of conflict. That's where we are. And I hope that I can help all of us see where we need to be. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. It would be nice in this thing called life if one could build without having to battle. It would be nice if we could have relationships without problems. We could have families without conflict. But it's not so. Every one of us, no matter what we are attempting to do today, face some kind of of opposition. And if we are going to make progress, we cannot sit around and wait for a better day. We cannot wait for reinforcements to come because they're not coming. We are the reinforcements. We can't sit around and complain and whine about why we aren't seeing better things. We have to Understand that if we're going to make progress, many times we have to make progress while we are in the midst of great opposition. We have to make progress amidst great adversity. It doesn't come easy. It it doesn't happen without there being some kind of resistance. All of us, no matter what we're trying to do, whether it's see our church grow or see our family blessed or trying to hold something together in life, we are all having to build and battle. I've often had preachers call me and say, how are you doing? And they were actually wanting to know the state of the church. And I just simply replied, we're building and battling. And every time I've said that, the people on the other end chuckle and they say, you know what, that's what we're doing too. I don't know anybody anywhere that's making progress today that's not facing adversity. I don't know anybody that's trying to do something for God that's not having opposition. I don't know anybody that's trying to establish a bulkhead or a family or a business or whatever else it might be that is not fighting battles on every hand. And so it is in life. Growth, progress, advancement, betterment, all of that come within the context of conflict. We cannot sit around and wait for a better day because a better day is not coming. As you all know, the better days are behind us, or at least that's the way most people think, the good old days. But the truth is, none of us, nobody in this building is going to have smooth sailing through life. If you make progress, if you grow, if our church advances, we're going to have to learn to do that in the midst of conflict. And in the midst of trouble and adversity, we're going to have to learn that even though there is opposition, that doesn't mean that God is against us. And even though there's opposition, that doesn't mean we're doing something wrong or we're not in the will of God. You know, the first thing that a lot of people try to do when... Uh, things are not going well in life or in the church or in their life or in their family, they start pointing fingers. You know what? If they were doing better or if you were preaching better or you were praying more or, you you know, we all like to do that and at some point all of us have been guilty of looking across the congregation and thinking, you know what? There's a trouble right over there. And the truth is That's not the trouble. The trouble is out there. The trouble is in the atmosphere in which we are having to build. And we must be aware of that. But sometimes we forget that. And when we forget that, then we quit doing what we need to do to get the job done. And so often I have gone back to Nehemiah and I have been inspired by his example and what he did when he was in very similar circumstances. There was opposition, uh, there was hatred, there was jealousy, there was envy, there was strife, there was debate. Now a lot of people would think you can't have revival in that context but Nehemiah proved wrong he proved all of that wrong that you can have revival in the midst of opposition and you can have revival in the midst of hatred you can have revival in the midst of jealousy or prejudice or strife or debate all of that can be crowding around you but if you know what you're supposed to be doing you can still have revival you can still see the work of God first you can still see your your family blessed, and your life blessed if you keep your focus and you keep your eyes and your ears tuned to the right thing. And somebody said amen. Amen. And so making progress today is going to come within a hostile environment. It's not going to come without that. You're, You're not going to Wake up one morning and find that the path has been cleared and there's nothing. To obstruct your way. You can just take off and go 90 miles an hour. You're going to wake up tomorrow and there's going to be spirits that are going to be fighting. There's going to be climate of, of, of conflict and jealousy and bitterness and envy and all. And all of that was going on around Nehemiah. And he's trying to bring these people together. He's trying to encourage them. He's trying to tell them what their goal is and what their purpose is. And all of this other stuff is going on to distract them and keep them. There, there, there's the, the, the sand sandballs and the Tobias that ridicule and mock and make fun. This is what I've learned about revival and this is what I've learned about life. You don't have to hunt trouble. Trouble will find you. Uh, you, you don't even have to be a bad person. Trouble just has a way of showing up in your life and it shows up at the most inopportune time. And so all of us are going to have to understand that just because we're having a little trouble doesn't mean that something's wrong in our life. And it's not so much that trouble comes to every life, it's how we respond to that trouble that troubles our life. Amen. It's when trouble becomes the focus of our attention. It's when conflict becomes the focus of the church. It's when backsliders have more attention than people that are faithful and true and honest and good report. It's when people that don't want to live for God and don't want to do right. And they, they, they splash their life across the networks of the world that get the attention that, that something's wrong with that. And something has to change in that mindset somehow. We got to get back to understanding that you don't have to look for trouble. Trouble's going to find you, and it's going to show up on your doorstep. And it's not that trouble comes; it's how you and I respond to trouble that troubles us or brings us to a place where God wants us to be. You know what I've found out about trouble, and I've, I've found this out through experience. I found it out through personal experience that trouble, I don't know how many of you have ever read Briar Rabbit, but trouble is like the tar baby in Briar Rabbit. And the more you touch it, the more you get on you. And the more you try to handle it, the more it messes your life up. You know what to do? Leave that baby alone. Just leave it alone. Don't, don't bite it. Don't touch it. Don't Click on it. Don't respond to it. You know what I've learned about life? There are people out there that are antagonists and there are people out there in my life that are instigators. They will do things just to see what my response will be. And I've got to be smart enough to know when I see trouble and leave it alone. Don't put your hand on it. Leave it to God. God can take care of your trouble. What you and I need to do is keep our focus on what our purpose is And our purpose is to build a wall. Amen. Our purpose is to build a family, to build our lives, to build a community where people can be helped. Trouble comes from all kinds of sources and it comes from different places. There are some troubles that come from without. Mockery, intimidation. Read the account again. Tobias Sandballet stood on the outside and looked at what they were doing and ridiculed them and mocked them. Even if they if they build it, a fox can lean up on it and it's going to fall over. Or do these Jews think they're going to accomplish anything? And not, you know what I've learned about life. Not everybody wants me to succeed. As a matter of fact, not everybody is going to cheer for me when I do succeed. And I'm not going to sit around and wait until I get everybody's applause before I do anything. I'm going to do what's right and I'm going to keep doing what's right. And that's what my prayer has been the last week. God help me to be right before you. It doesn't matter that I try to appear right before this church and before these people but I want to be right before you. If there's anything in my heart that's not right, if there's an attitude, you know I can cover a lot of stuff up before you. I can hide a lot. Some of you don't think I can but I can hide a lot of things from you. And I can make you think I'm one thing when really in truth I'm something else. But I can't do that with God and so what I've been praying is God help me to be truthful before you help me to be honest before you and help me to be right before you I want to stand right before you even when people are mocking and people don't want me to succeed there are many people listen to me there are many people that would rejoice if I fail tonight it's just not me it's you as well there are many people that would rejoice if they saw you fall flat on your face in whatever you're trying to do you're trying to get your life together you're trying to make a commitment to God you're trying to do things that you haven't done before and you stumble there's somebody that's going to be standing around saying "Ah, I told you that was going to happen but I don't live my life based on what those people say Matter of fact, it doesn't matter what they say. All I'm interested in is what God has to say. They joy in your failure. And they lay wait for the moment that you stumble. And they seize it. You don't have to point out your faults. There's a hundred people around you (laughs) that's watching every move. Every move you're making and they can point out every fault you've got. But again, I don't live for that kind of person. I want my focus to be on him. So trouble comes from an out. And that's that's a bad place for it to come. But the worst place for trouble to come is from within. If you read on, you'll find that even Judah... Even Judah joined in the mockery and ridicule of what Nehemiah was trying. That's God's people. Judah is the house of praise. Judah was the leader in worship. And yet when Nehemiah was trying to rally the forces, I'm telling you trouble can come from the most unlikely places and the most unusual sources. But Nehemiah was smart enough to not hit that thing. He, he was smart enough not to touch that thing. Le- just leave it alone. Because God is going to take care of your enemy and he's going to restore your brother. Amen. God's going to take care of our enemies and he's going to restore your brother. So leave it alone. So there's trouble that comes from within and it came by deception and by discouragement. Those who live close to the enemy began to believe what the enemy was saying about what Nehemiah was trying to do. And you know what? It's the same in our life. People that live on the edge and they're not really trying to serve God, they're just hangers on. They, you know what? They live so close to the world that they believe everything the devil's saying about the church, and so they repeat what they hear. Again, I'm not interested in what they said, I want to hear what God has to say. And when I read the Word, I find that God's still interested. He's still involved. And so I'm not going to let them discourage me. They question your motives. They question your goal, They question your, 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 your priorities and all of that. But you know what? I know what God called me to do. God called me to build a church. God called me to build a family. God called me to be a leader in my community, in my family, in my church. And that's what my goal is, even if people around me that ought to be supporting me and ought to be encouraging me are part of the discouragement, I'm still going to hear what God has to say. And so you don't have to look for trouble. Trouble will find you. But this is what I really want to focus my, my, my point to you tonight on in simply this. That what I learned from Nehemiah Is that the best defense against opposition and the best defense against adversity and the best defense against criticism is a good offense? A good offense. Now, you know what a defense is doing. A defense is trying to figure out what the offense is doing. And so they plan their schemes to try to frustrate. But the offense has the priority. The offense has the opportunity to run plays that they may not even have on their chart. They may not even be planning. And so if we're not careful, and this is what happens to the church, we get in this defensive mode and criticism will make you defensive. Adversity will make you defensive. When people rise up against you, even brothers or sisters in the church, that makes you defensive. That makes you on edge. You 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 start reacting rather than acting and Nehemiah showed me in his response to these men when it could have been easy for him to have reacted to them. He just said, you know what folks, we need to get refocused on what our job is. Our job is to build a wall. Don't worry about them. Listen to what God said. God's going to help us build this wall. And so he started going through the troops and encouraging them and telling them, come on, let's get back to an offense. Let's get back to what we're here for. We're here to build a wall. Don't worry about what they're saying. God's going to take you of your enemies. God's going to deal with those people in God's time. He will take care of them. Let's get back to building the wall. Listen to me, church. Wouldn't it be better than when people talk about you that instead of you reacting, you just live straighter lives? Wouldn't it be better if when people talk about us and gossip about us instead of us Responding in like manner that we just live purer lives, that their conversation inspires us to be more focused than we've ever been, to be more determined than we've ever been, to be more committed than we've ever been, to be more involved than we've ever been. When they gossip about you, let it be something that spurs you to get closer to God rather than you getting angry at them and responding. Come on, folks, the best defense is a good offense, and that's what needs to happen. This church needs to get back to an offensive mindset. We need to get back to where we're acting and reacting to the Holy Ghost, not to what people are saying. And what people are doing And what people have been committing against We need to begin to do What God called us to do And that's focus on souls And loving people And helping people And encouraging people Being a hospital for hurting people Being a place where people can find direction That's what we need to focus on That's what our goal is To get back to a good offense Amen Amen Somebody say a good offense. The reason a lot of people talk is because of the way that people live. If they wouldn't live where they're living, they wouldn't talk as much. But I've learned this. You can live as straight as you can live and people are still going to talk about you. So don't worry about that. they say don't worry about that. Amen. That's not what your focus is. What is your focus? What is your focus? It's not to get involved. in How are we going to deal with Sanballat? How are we going to handle Tobiah? How are we going to deal with this reprobate Judah? Nehemiah got his folks together. And he said, look, this is what we got to do. We got to build a wall. See that mortar? See that trowel? See that sword? You keep a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other. And you build and battle. Amen. That's how you live. And if that's the way we have to live to get the job done, so be it. But he did not allow what the enemy was doing to turn their attention away from what they were supposed to be doing. And that's why in 52 days they rebuilt the entire wall of Jerusalem that was broken down. 52 days they brought it to completion because the Bible said the people had a mind to work. Not a mind to argue or... not. Not a mind to get back or not a mind to retaliate, but the people had a mind to work. You know what I'm praying? I'm praying that God will baptize this church with a new offensive mindset. Not a defensive mindset, but an offensive mind. That when we come together, we come with this purpose. We're here to glorify God and see God revealed in our midst. It doesn't matter what people are saying about us. It doesn't matter what people are talking about. It doesn't matter that people might leave us and go somewhere else. What matters is we are... Are here to do the work of God, we are here to build a kingdom for God, we are here to help reach somebody for the Lord, and that's what I want my focus to be, that's what I want my prayers to be, that's what I want my efforts to be toward building the kingdom of God. Amen. And in order for that to happen, this is what has to do, has to happen to us number one, we've got to be prayerful, we've got to be prayerful, and I don't mean I really, I started to ask you, and I I will. I'm going to ask you. I want you to take a week, and I want you to write down how much prayer time you actually spend. I'm not asking you to bring it to me, I'm just asking it for your own personal revelation. Now, I don't mean the prayer that you pray while you're walking from the bathroom to the bed or from the bed to the kitchen. I'm talking about the time where you really get down and pray. And you know what we're going to discover? None of us are praying as much as we ought to pray. And I'm not here to criticize you. I'm just saying we're busy, all of that. But but Nehemiah reinforced to these people, the essentiality of prayer. And he said, whatever we do, we've got to bathe it in prayer. We've got to cover it in prayer. We've got to make sure that every breath that we breathe is anointed and blessed of God. And so he reminded them to be prayerful by his own prayerfulness. And that's what I am going to, I, I want to make a commitment to this church that your pastor is going to... Pr- Pray more than he has been praying. And I am going to seek God more than I have been seeking. But I want you to make a commitment that God, I am going to become more prayerful. I'm not going to become more nosy or more curious about what somebody said. You know what? Don't chase that thing down. Don't worry about what they said. It doesn't matter what they said. It isn't going to change one thing in your life other than to give you an ulcer. You might as well get down on your knees and say, God, help me remember what I'm here for. Help me to do what you've called me to do. Help me to keep a trial in my hand. Help me to stay on the wall, God. Don't let anything pull me down from this wall. Pray. Everybody say pray. Pray. He reminded them that they must also be alert. The Bible said watch and pray. Don't be stupid. Amen. Know the wiles of the devil. Know that there is a devil. You know what's interesting? Bobby Leach was a stunt man who survived a trip over Niagara Falls in nineteen oh something. But later on in his life, slipped on an orange peel and hit his head and died. Just because he wasn't careful. Folks, we can do a lot of great things and still crash because we're not careful. So Nehemiah said, you're going to have to build and battle. You're going to have to keep an eye on the mortar and an eye on your enemy. Just be aware that there's an enemy. He doesn't want you to finish this. He's going to do what he can to stop you. Be alert. And then the third thing is be prepared. You've got to be prepared. Be ready. This requires one to wear the whole armor of God. Not just part time or when you feel like it, but all the time. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to what? Stand against the wiles of the devil. And having done all, stand. Stand. Amen. So you got to be prepared. And then fourthly, you have to be united. I love it. Nehemiah realized that on the wall they were separated. They were all by families around the entire city of Jerusalem and they were all working simultaneously for the purpose of rebuilding the wall. And he knew that they would be by themselves vulnerable to the enemy. And so he said, this is what I want you to do. When you hear the trumpet... Whenever you hear the trumpet sound... That's where I want everybody to come to immediately because there's a need. There's, a, there, there, there's an urgency. And so they had to be united. They were not doing their own little thing. Well, you know, it's me and my family. That's all I'm worried about. When they heard the trumpet, they said, oh, this is about more than just my family. This is about my future. And this is about my people. And so wherever they were, they dropped whatever they were doing and they ran to where the trumpet was. That's the mindset that needs to come to greater life church that wherever the trumpet sound, that's where we're going wherever God calls us whatever we're doing we're going to be focused on uniting ourselves for one mind and one purpose somebody said unite amen unite you know the only difference between united and untied is one letter and where it's positioned And that one letter is I, me. I'm the difference between whether we're together or we're just loose strings hanging out. I don't know about you, but I found life works a lot better when I unite with other people. Amen. When I join, I don't, you know, united doesn't mean we all sing the same tune and we all see the same thing. United means we all work for the same purpose. We have our own perspective, but we never allow our perspective to become divisive. We reach for the same purpose. And so we're united. Everybody say united. I want to do this for God. I want to do it for the kingdom of God. I want to see this thing flourish. Does it bother you that we might not see revival in this community? Does it bother you that if we don't wake up and realize where we are, that we might miss the greatest opportunity that's ever been afforded this church? I'm here tonight to awake greater life church and tell you that there's never been a time that we have needed to be united more than we are right now and there's never been a time when the enemy has done more to try to distract us and divide us and separate us and segregate us into camps you're with that one and you're with this one and you're for him and you're for her you know what we need to get over that we're for him I said, we're for Him. Everything else is unnecessary. Everything else is secondary to His purpose. And fifthly, He reminded them that you have to be determined. We're going to build this wall, and we we cannot be sidetracked. And I will tell you, Greater Life Church, that there have been a lot of distractions over the course of the last few years that have kept us off pace and off target in a lot of ways. And what we really need to get back to is that made up mind, that determined mind. We're going to see this thing break open. We're going to see revival. We're going to see people. We're going to commit. As a matter of fact, how many of you would be willing to commit yourself over the next month to trying to reach somebody for the Lord? Would anybody here raise a hand and say, Brother you, I want to commit myself to trying to reach somebody. I want to try to... I'm going to pray, God, lead me to a hungry heart. God... Bring me to somebody that needs to know more about you. Help me find that person and talk to them and bring them to a place where they can receive the wonderful blessings that I have received in my life. That's what I want to be committed to. Not whether we all see eye to eye. That's not important. What we need to see is a higher purpose. And the reason we need to do it, he reminded them in the last verse. He said, you need to do this for your family and for your future and for your faith, for your community of, of, of spirituality. You need to do all of this for that because what you are working toward is worth everything you can put in it. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. The time to stand is now. The time to be counted is now. And there's never been a time when there's been more distractions and there's never been a time when there has been more opposition and more battles going on. Unneeded, unnecessary, but still they're there. And they sap our energy and they pull us to this direction and that direction. And they call for us to be on this side and that side. You know what? I just want to be on the Lord's side. That's all that I need to worry about tonight. And I need to be convinced. You need to be convinced tonight that we can have revival in the midst of conflict. I said we can have revival in the midst of... Of conflict. We can have revival in the midst of adversity. We can have revival in the midst of hatred. We can have revival in the midst of jealousy. We can have revival in the midst of bitterness and strife and debate. All of that can be going on around us as long as it's not going on in us. Amen. Amen. Somebody say revival. In the midst Of conflict. We're going to have to build in a hostile environment. It ain't going to get any easier. The reason I know that is because the Bible said. Revelation that Satan has been loosed. And he's come down with great wrath. Knowing he has but a short time. I am of the opinion and I believe that it is correct that the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, the more Satan is going to intensify his work against us. And so we just expect it. You don't have to look for trouble. Trouble will find you. But that's not what your focus is. Your focus is to build. Everybody say to build. Build. Trouble is not our focus. Amen. Amen. Say that with me. Trouble is not my focus. Amen. Conflict is not my focus. Now, Brother Hughes, do you mean just ignore it? If you can. Matter of fact, I found out that if you'll ignore it, a lot of that conflict will go away. Because conflict feeds off of attention. And when you don't give it any... What does the Bible say about a fire? If you don't feed it, it'll go out. Amen. Amen. But we feed it by our curiosity. We just got to know did you really say that? Did they really do that? No. We don't, you know what? We're all human. We all say things at times we don't really mean. We have to repent of it and get it right. But you know what? The truth is we're here for the purpose of building the kingdom of God. Amen. That's what I want to stay focused on. And I'm tired of us living in a defensive mode. I'm tired of us living in a reaction. This happens, and so we do this. That happens, and so we do this. This happens, and so... And we're just constantly... You know what? It's time to turn the tide. Amen. It's time to go back to the game plan. And the game plan said that I am more than a conqueror, and greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. The game plan says that in the name of Jesus, by the name of Jesus, demons tremble. Amen. Somebody needs to get hold of that and start speaking that over problems and situations. In the name of Jesus. I walked up and down these aisles yesterday afternoon. I laid hands on every pew, and I said, In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I went back there, every chair back there, the sound booth, every instrument, every place, every microphone, in the name of Jesus. This is for your purpose. This is for your glory. The only reason we're here is to try to direct somebody to you. Don't ever let us lose that focus. Don't ever let us forget what we're here for. Don't ever let us get so consumed with our own little problem that we forget what you've called us to do. Come on, church. It's time to get back on the offensive. Amen. It's time for us to act on the word of God. Live by faith. Worship in confidence. Pray with assurance. Amen. Believe God for miracles. Expect God to do miraculous things. Let God have his way. Oh yeah, let God have his way. Let God move your feet. Let God move your hands. Let Let God move in your heart. Amen. Amen. Because we're going to have revival in the midst of conflict. Or we won't have revival at all.